Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Robbie Townsend, 23 years of career and volunteer experience, currently a lieutenant who's in the captain's process for Dalton Fire Department in Georgia on Ladder 3. Robbie is a straight shooter who would tell it like it is whether you want to hear it or not. As a company officer, Robbie has great advice for anyone wanting to promote to that level or for anyone currently in that role that may need to evaluate whether they're doing all they can for their respective crews and themselves to be successful. With that, I present Mr. Robbie Townsend. Hey, I'm uh, Robbie Townsend. Uh, about to hit 23 years on. Uh, excited to be on here talking to my man. <laughs> All right. Uh, for, for for those that don't know, can you tell us how you got into the fire service? Yeah, so I was one of those kids that <clears throat> said he wanted to be a fireman and, and really meant it, I guess. And uh, I joined the Explorer program at 14 uh, here in Dalton, and the rest is history. Had a lot of good mentors coming up over the years, so okay. that's how I got started. Okay. Um, were you born and raised in Dalton, where, you, where you're currently at? Yes, sir. Born and raised. Yep. Okay. All right. Are you any sort of generation firefighter or are you the first? I'm the first. Well, my cousin, my first cousin's a lieutenant uh, at Dalton. And uh, so my first career job, we kind of ran calls together uh, where he volunteered at is where I worked my career, my first career job. So, uh, but my my family's been in public safety. My brother-in-law's on the job. both my nephews were police officers. My cousin's police officer retired. So I guess public safety's kind of ran in our family a little bit. Okay. All right. And for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about Dalton, the size, how many stations, amount of personnel? Yeah. Things? So fully staffed, we, we're running about 93 to 96, roughly. we got five stations. Uh, we run um, downtown stations, got, uh, truck engine and heavy rescue and the shift commander runs out there uh i'm assigned to ladder three on the north end of the city cover a good bit of i-75 and got a mix of commercial and uh hotels apartments so we, we kind of get a mix of everything in my territory okay so really high-end neighborhoods down down to the ghetto really okay all right and um what's your minimum staffing like so we're running minimum of three uh, on everything. We try to keep four on the squad where they have rescue and the trucks. Uh, we're down a little bit right now. So we're about to start a class. I think we're starting eight people uh, next week, within the next couple of weeks. So minimum of three. Okay. We, we're trying to, we won't drop below three. So. Okay. All right. Uh, and are you EMTs or paramedics? Uh, we're, we're a mix, so it's not required where we work. It's we're just a first responder uh, department, but we have several paramedics and uh, EMTs that have gone out and, and gotten those those certifications on their own. So, okay, all right, all right. Uh, so my first question to you: What does the term aggressive mean to you, to to, to Robbie Townsend? Oh, uh, well, to me, aggressive. You know that that gets thrown around a lot, but. Uh, I think we need to be aggressive at a lot of things to to be able to be aggressive at the job, if that makes sense. 
we need we need to be aggressive at preparation and training. We need to be aggressive in physical fitness, you know, and you also have to be smart. Uh, that a lot of people want to use that term and and it's negative. I don't think it's negative, you know. Uh, being an aggressive fireman is is what really saves lives. You can't be timid. Um, that fire that fire doesn't care, you know. The fire doesn't care if you prepared or didn't prepare. Uh, so we got to be aggressive, I think, at being good at the job and training and keeping ourselves in shape, and then that allows us to be aggressive on the fire ground. Okay, all right. I like the answer. I like the answer. All right. Um, uh, do you believe, in your opinion, should there be a years of service clause for promotion? Um, I'm kind of torn on that. Um, cause let's just face it. We got guys that come in and, and they may be a 15 year dude and they've done nothing but ride that recliner for 15 years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I have a guy come in with five years who's been on fire and, and sought out training and done his best to, to be good at the job, not just to make himself promotable. And he may be a better candidate than the guy with 15 years on. So I'm kind of torn on that. I think it does. Uh, it may have its place, but I think you got to look at the individual also. You know, okay. is this guy tuned in? We all, I mean, we all know it, this. The fire service is the same everywhere. You got guys that the only classes they take are the classes that are in that promotional book. You know, and usually most of them are sitting at a fire academy in an air conditioned classroom. So uh, you got guys like that. They may have 20 years on, but that don't mean that they're going to be a good company officer. Or be able to lead men, right? And you may have five or ten year guy that's squared away that would do a much better job. So okay, all right, that makes any sense. I'm kind of torn on it. You know, I think it has its yeah. place, but right, I right. think you can solely rely on that. Okay, uh, so personal question to you: How long did it take for you to decide to take a chance and go for lieutenant? Ah, uh, so uh, yeah, I've only been a lieutenant for about four years so you know I, I tried to fill that senior firefighter role and uh I really wanted to be good at my job first you mm -hmm. know a lot of guys come in and they want to promote up they whether it be for money yeah rank or they they think that I, magically they're going to get respect to the men if they're if they got bugles on their collar and uh I never wanted to be that guy I just want to be a good fireman first you know, I think if you're a good fireman first then you can be a good company officer. Okay. So. All right. And I'm, I'm assuming you've had some really good officers you've worked for, and then you've had some really bad ones where you've oh, learned yeah. from both. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can learn from both. And I've learned from both. I mean, uh, man, I had some great company officers coming up, uh, but I had some that weren't so great. Mm -hmm. You know, they're good guys, but they weren't leaders, and they definitely weren't firemen. Uh, so – but yeah, I learned from, I learned how I didn't want to be, so. Okay. Is, uh, is, um, uh, uh, I know Corley calls it death by a thousand cuts, but what's your, what's your opinion on, you know, you have the go-getters, the hard chargers that don't want to promote because they don't want to miss being a fireman. But then in return, when that doesn't occur, the pencil pushers, textbook readers get promoted and yeah. it just changes the dynamic of the department. Yeah. 
yeah, so sometimes I think you got to look at uh, if not me, then who, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you if you have the, the right motivation to promote up, uh, then I think you'll be good. But, yeah, and I don't know, a good buddy of mine, Billy Green, great fireman, uh, works down in Calhoun, the city below us. He's young, and he took the battalion chief's job. He's like, I – I really didn't want it at the time, but you know, who else is going to fill those shoes? And so, uh, yeah, I think it. Uh, sometimes you just got to look and and like I don't want this dude in charge of me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is, man. No, you're right. I mean, I, I've heard plenty of people say that. Yeah. So, okay. and I think if you promote up with the right reasons, like my motivation to to get promoted has never been. Like it's never been for the money. It's it's never been for the prestige. It, I, I think the higher you promote within an organization, the that larger the larger your sphere of influence is. You know, mm -hmm. back step firefighter, you make an influence. The guy riding next to you, and as a lieutenant, will you get to influence an entire company? And as a captain, you may get to influence two companies or three companies. You know. And as a battalion chief, shift commander, <clears throat> whatever title you have that within the, these, your department, then you can influence an entire shift. So I did a stint in the training division before I got promoted to lieutenant. I went Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. I really didn't want to come off the rigs. I really didn't want to uh, go to a five-day-a-week schedule. But I saw an opportunity there. Not to better myself or to make myself more promotable, but to try to make an impact on my entire department in a positive way. So, okay, I spent about two years in training. I hated I hated Monday through Fridays. I hated five day a week, but I feel like I was able to do some positive things while I was up there. So, okay, all right. So, what uh, with you being a lieutenant now, a company officer? Um, what's your, what's your normal day like? Like if you, like if you have an individual that doesn't want to work out or doesn't want to train, how do you, how do you go about that? All right. Well, first off, when I get a new, when I get a new guy, um, and let me, let me say this first, there's people that don't want to come to my station, right? Because we have a pretty, we're pretty fast paced. You know, we don't, uh, we, we don't like to sit around. Uh, we're constantly trying to – we train every day on something, and we work out together every day, and that's just – that's what we do. That's that's the culture that we've created. And uh, But what I do is if I get a new guy, I just – I literally bring him in, and I, I just tell him what our expectations are. You know, my expectations, the expectations of, of the other guys in the house. Uh, and, you know, they're – for the most part, they're gonna, they're gonna kind of fit in, and if they don't, then they're not going to be there long. You know, not that we're, we're not jerks to them or anything, but <clears throat> you know, we may not get that eleven to one lunchtime. We may, you know what I mean? But, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I think setting those expectations from the get go, where there's no you just clear the water and man, look, man, this is how we do stuff. We're going to get our hydrants done, and we're going to get our business inspections finished. But 
that is not the priority for me as a company officer every shift. And we have, you know, we, we've, we've all seen them guys that come in and, and they, they hang their hat on getting all that daily stuff done. Right. Like, Oh, I got my hydrants done. I got my inspections done. Well, well, that's great. Well, when's the last time you went out with your crew and, and pulled a line with them or threw a ladder with them, you know? Mm-hmm. So all that stuff gets fit, gets done and taken care of, but our priority number one is making sure we're ready to go first thing in the morning. We work out together as a crew and then we train on something every day. And I've got a little training schedule that we follow whatever day of the week it is, is what we, what we do. And you know, we'll, I'll let my guys get eat lunch, take a shower, and then for the rest of the day, we'll handle the the departmental stuff, the hydrants, the business inspections, and all that. So, okay, all right, all right, love it, love it, love it. Um, uh, before I jump to the next uh, question, I have uh, I kind of I'm going on a little sidetrack here. Now, I met you uh, in Tennessee through Bears of the Oath for the uh, Mueller uh, benefit yep. training. So my question to you is, how did Bears of the Oath come about with you? Uh, honestly, we, uh, me and some guys from work um, started taking some of their classes. And I knew several of those guys, and they just kind of invited us in to, to start helping out. You know, we're just kind of like-minded people. And so that turned into a great opportunity for some younger guys that I work with at Dalton, you know, Dale Reed and Adam Stanley and Josh Pete guys are awesome squared away. So I'm thankful that they got that opportunity to, uh, to be able to go teach guys and, and share some stuff that's been passed down to them. That's what, that's what it's all about for me is, is just, if I don't pass on what was passed on to me, then I'm kind of failing. You know, that's how the fire service is going to survive. And it's easy to complain about, you know, how guys aren't aggressive or they don't, they don't take training seriously, whatever. But if we're not doing something to try to change that, then we really can't complain a whole lot. So. No. Okay. No, I understand. I understand. That makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Uh, so what point did you decide um because i recently found out that dalton or i want to i want to make sure i get this right the georgia smoke diver program is held on dalton's training grounds correct yes yeah we're the host agency yeah okay so at what point did you decide hey i'm going to try this and how many times did you attempt uh okay so uh, Dalton's always had a, a huge uh, smoke divers has always been a, had a huge part in Dalton. I think at one time like sixty percent of our firefighters were smoke divers. So, and that's when it was held at the fire academy. And our our former uh, training captain, training chief, I believe he made chief Scott Millsap was smoke daddy at one point. So he was he basically led that program. It had a huge influence on the guys at Dalton. And uh, I knew I knew from the time I was an explorer there at 14, 15 years old, like I wanted to be one of those guys. You know, there was just something a little bit different about them. And uh, so when I went through, I went through class 39. It was still at the fire academy. And, uh, and then class 40 is when we started having it at Dalton, I believe 40, maybe 41. So 
had a little issue with the state. Uh, the uh, pass rate wasn't high enough for the state. Okay. And instead of lowering the standard, basically there was almost a 10-year break in the smoke diver program. Okay. And, and uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes work. Uh, by David Rhodes and several several others to get that program back up and running. And then had a couple, a few classes at the state. And then finally we're like, hey, they're, they're, we're just not, we're just going to break away from the state and become a nonprofit. And so we've been hosting it at Dalton since. So pretty you. cool having that in our own backyard. So, right, right. Okay. So were, were, you, were you successful at your first, your first try? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I'm assuming, of course, you have to prepare for that. You can't just on a oh, whim just go, I'm just going to try and. Yeah. So, yeah, it was almost a year of year straight of training and uh, had some really good guys on shift that helped me prepare. Uh, our department's always supported smoke divers and, and the Georgia Flames program. So, real thankful for that. They okay. would let me go down on shift and train. They would set drills up for me. And we still do that for guys, you know, if they want us to. So, uh, we Dalton has a pretty high success rate with that program. So, Okay. All right. And um, in, in your opinion, do you believe what you go through and the training or, or the type of evolutions that they give you, do you believe that has an effect on making you a better fireman? Yeah, well, maybe not so much the drills because they're all basic drills, but what what's different about it is you're so fatigued. Is it and you're and you're so uh just mentally drained and physically drained. That that's the game changer, I think, with that program. The drills are, are basic stuff, you know. You search, fire attack, uh do some rip drill stuff that a lot of people's already doing. Mm-hmm. But you on the fatigue and then your your decision making starts being affected your fine motor skills that that's the game changer there's a big misconception like oh they're going to they pt you to try to get you to quit and and that's not it's not the case at all so the the physical training and all that is to get you fatigued and then you start your drill so if something happens on fire ground you you know you may not be fresh right you know you may be especially the department our size, I may be four bottles in and then something happens, you know? So I think that's, that's the difference within that, that program compared to some others, you know? Okay. Okay. All right. Um, uh, next question for you for a promotion to company officer. Are you in favor for a simulated fire, a, a simulated computer fire scenario, whether it's iPad or you know, on a on a on a huge display, or are you in favor of real people with real companies, and you're graded in real time, like at a training center? Oh, absolutely, yeah, real people, real companies. Um, because the fact of the matter is, like, I can set, I can, I can prepare for a a computer display or a simulation. Really, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of grading these people, multi turning into a multi-company drill, you know, live fire. They don't know what they got until they get there. That's really the only way that I think you can assess their decision-making because there's no consequences. There's no consequences at all sitting in an air-conditioned room looking at a 
TV screen, you know? Right. Yeah, that simulated fire is getting bigger, but there's no real consequences to that. So, Okay. All right. Uh, is that the way Dalton does their promotional process? No. No, yeah. I wish. I wish it was. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, recruitment and retention. It's a hot topic. Very hot topic on social media uh, with, with yeah. fire departments and and everywhere uh, yeah different cadre groups and 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 you know what whatever the case may be what do you think or all right in regards to recruitment and, and retention how have you stayed consistent with dalton like have you have you ever had a ever had a, a thought where like hey maybe i should try here or no uh like with like wanting to go somewhere else. Right. right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, long about 2011, 2012, uh, I wanted to go to Atlanta. I want to be a big city fireman. And uh, it just didn't work out. It was just God's way of telling me I needed to stay where I was at. But like, we have a great department. Our, our retention is, we don't have an issue with that. You know, usually when guys come, they, they're going, they stay for the long haul. We just have a good culture there. We have, uh, Typically, we have support from elected officials, uh, and we've got some pretty strong leadership and at the company level and, and above. So with us, retention is not an issue. I have seen a trend here lately where, you know, five, six, seven years ago, man, we would have 150 applicants for three or four job positions, you know. Mm -hmm. Now we, we're lucky to get 50 for – eight spots and I don't know the maybe it's just a, <clears throat> I don't really know the answer to that maybe it's a generational thing maybe we I think as a fire department not speaking just at Dalton but as the fire service in general we could probably do a better job of promoting ourselves you know when we uh when we do have these open positions uh, and you know pensions are gone in the south that's a huge thing that's why people may leave and go somewhere else um so our biggest thing is <clears throat> is trying to maintain the standard and not let it get watered down. We have a pretty tough recruit program and up until this last class, we hadn't graduated full class since 2008, 2009, maybe 2009. Wow. You know, and if you're not if, if you don't need to be there, you don't need to be there. Right. You know, right. And the standard, standard. And I'm not because when you lower that standard, you let these guys get on shift. They're probably going to leave anyway, but now we got to deal with them mm -hmm. until that time comes, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'll be honest with you, man. I'd rather not, I'd rather ride it short than <laughs> somebody sitting in a seat that doesn't need to be there. You know, uh, if that means yeah. I can't take as many days off throughout the year. Okay. I don't care. Mandatory overtime. Okay. But, the job's too important and the consequences of, of us not being able to do the job the way it needs to be done, you know, as cliche as it sounds, it's life and death. And, uh, man, you got to hold that standard. Got to hold the standard. So. No, I, I 100% agree. In the, in the famous words of my buddy, Marco Sarasco, you're either an asset or you're a liability. Absolutely. And, and we had to deal with that, man. Like, we had – Couple of dudes just last class, and we draw we drew the short straw, got them on our shift, and they just this job wasn't for them. 
you know. And two, as an officer, you you got to be willing to have hard conversations with grown men, you know. Like, and I, I told them both, man. Look, I don't think this job's for you. It's not personal, uh, but I just don't think it's jobs for you. You can't give up on them, you know. Right. But right. Is, this generation learns differently than we did, and you know you got to change kind of how you teach them. But there comes a point in time, man. This job's not for you, and you're you're going to get yourself hurt, and one of us hurt, you know. And one of them, I just, I mean, I asked him. I said, man, I'm going to ask you a question. Would you, if your house was on fire tonight, would you want you going in after your wife and kids? And he said, no. And I said, well, uh, I think you answered the question for yourself. You right. Know? Right. Um. But yeah, you see it all the time. They're lowering their standards, trying to just throwing bodies in seats, man. Can't man, you can't. And and if the citizens knew what what was going on, they would probably be sick to their stomach in a lot of these places. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's always the thing. Like if if truly if citizens knew like the dynamics of the fire department. I'm sure they would complain to the city council, town council, like, what's going on here? Why are you allowing this person or why are you lowering the standard that should be set here and you're bringing it down here? Absolutely. And I think if you did a poll and you asked citizens, uh, they would want they want hard chargers coming in after them or their family members, you know, and we get it. We get it a lot, you know. Um People are like, man, there's just there's Dalton Fire Department's different, you know, and it's and we we take pride in that, right? Know? So, right. We've always had a pretty good reputation in the throughout the state, and but also you get you got to work to maintain that. You can't rest on what was done 25 years ago. You got to continue to feed that culture because mm -hmm. if you don't, then it's going to die out when these guys retire out when people leave if you're not feeding that culture and trying your best to, to maintain it, it's, it'll die. So, and that's work. It is work to maintain a good, strong culture within an organization. So, and, and I, me, uh, opinion only. And I, I truly believe in order to do that, you got to have buy-in from the top down, down top, up, correct? Absolutely. Top down. Because if you don't, it's, the wheels are going to fall off. You know, we got a new chief uh, at our department. Uh, he's only – he's got promoted up maybe a month ago. He's he's going to do great. And, uh, you know, he believes the standard's a standard and it needs to be held. So that's that's encouraging when when you hear that from your fire chief. Yeah. So. Yeah, no. I mean, I because mean, you, you go great lengths for for the individual. You know, if they're, yeah. if they're trying to hold – whatever standard the, it may be and your guys see that and he's engaged and he's involved. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, rank doesn't just because you're a chief or you got bugles doesn't mean you forget that you're a fireman. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, I should, should have wrote it down in my head. Damn it. Uh, uh, all right. We're going to go to the next topic. Oh, how big do you think outside training is? Huge. Huge. Can't, uh, it's priceless in my opinion. Um, and, I, and I'll give you an example. Like, uh, in my department, it, 
probably wasn't until around 2011 that we actually started trying to develop a truck culture. Okay. You know, um, and it, that, that culture was built on several of us seeking outside training and learning how to do truck work, you know, learning how to force doors, throw ladders, search, vent. Uh, because up to that point, our tower ladder only had one guy on it and it would, oh, they didn't wow. use it until there was fire through the roof at a commercial building, you know, uh -huh, uh -huh. so several of us started going out seeking outside training. And now like we got a, a strong search culture, truck company culture now. Um, so I think it's, I think it's process and being able to learn from other people is huge, you know, and, and, um, like me being able to sit in the classroom and listen to Mo Davis and, and Clyde Gordon talk about aggressive command and how to run fire scenes is, you know, it's, it's awesome. And you, if you're not seeking outside training, you're not going to get those opportunities. Right. And you'll only know what you know because it's the only way your department's done it. That's right. We, we've always done it this way. Yeah. Right. Which can be dangerous. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and until something happens and it's like, well, we've always done it. Well, you know, outdated tactics. Yeah. Uh, things of that nature. So, okay. It was one of the questions. That's what yeah. I wanted to ask you. And not, not taking any way. Like, we got some great, great guys that, that instructed our department. Uh, but a lot of those guys that are like lead instructors in the recruit program are also instructors with bears of the oath. And you know what I mean? So it all, I think it all kind of ties together. It'll make your department better. It'll make your personnel better, your instructors. Um, yeah, I think, I think outside training is huge. You know, we, our department supports MAFC, the Metro Atlanta firefighters conference. We try mm -hmm. to send people there. They'll pay pay them overtime for their class time. I mean, that's that's huge that we do that. I'm thankful we we do stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely helps. It definitely helps. Uh, and it definitely gets the the members engaged. Where if they if the department will support them to go to these classes, you know, bring bring what you learn back. Absolutely. To, you know, for us to, to help us. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's your responsibility. I think if you go out and learn something, and, and especially if the department paid for you to go. It, to me, even if you paid your own way and took mm -hmm. your own personal time, you still have a duty and responsibility to share that with your brothers back back at your apartment. You know? Definitely. Okay. All right. Uh my next topic is leadership. And you're you're a company officer, you're a lieutenant, and you before we started, you told me that you're on the captain's list. Yeah. So that's another top hot topic in, in the fire service is having having a leader that cares, having a leader that's engaged, having a leader that knows when it's time to be when it's time to differentiate when it's time to be buddy and boss yeah. and to also know hey it, it'll be good if my guys see me do this first and fail that way they know i'm human and things of that nature so yeah i want to definitely talk about leadership yeah absolutely man leadership and there's a ton of buzzwords that get thrown around servant leadership and all this i think number one you have to be selfless as a leader um, you got to care about your men and you got to love them, but you also, you got to lead by example. You know what I mean? Like I can't preach physical fitness to my guys if I'm not out there grinding with them. You know what I mean? In full year when it's May 
and it's hot. Georgia, yeah, it's hot. It's Georgia, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, every fire department has them. I think dudes get promoted past uh, their skill level, you know, to put it bluntly. Uh, I've literally seen and heard stories of officers walking by a piece of paper on the floor and telling somebody to pick it up. That is not leadership. That's that's not. That is lordship, like you're lording over someone else. And that is not the way that leadership should be. Uh, and unfortunately, those dudes get promoted. I mean, some of them do because yeah. they can fool the promotional boards, but you cannot fool the men and you can't fool the fire. And I, they the fire will expose you and I don't care how high up in an organization you go. To me, if I don't have the respect of the men, it, it's useless. I don't care. If if I retire as a fire chief, but I, I don't have the respect of my guys, then it was worthless, you know? And it's little things like if we're going to the roof to vent, to vent a roof, I try to be the first one on the roof. You know, if anybody's going to fall through, I want it to be me, okay. but not – not one of my guys. It's in. I'm the last one off the roof. I'm the first one through the door. I'm the last one out. And to me, that's what leadership is. And if you look at 9/11, how many chief officers died on 9/11? You know, because they were with their men. They were leading from the front. And uh, I just think leadership gets overcomplicated a lot. And I don't think it has to be. You know, right. Right. I think if you promote up for the right reasons, then leadership's going to kind of come naturally, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you're a dude that just – you can't demand respect. And I don't ever want anyone to just respect my rank and not respect me, you know. Because there's guys at the fire department, I don't respect them. I don't respect them as leaders. I don't respect them as as firemen. But you have, you have to respect their rank. And I don't ever want that to be my case. I don't want to – I don't ever want anyone to say that about me, you know? So, um, you know, and I had some influences growing up. Both, both my granddads were in the army. My, one of them was a non-commissioned officer. And he used to tell me about how he used to take up for his men. And that's kind of, so I had some pretty good examples coming up with, with that. And, uh, going back to earlier, just good examples as a young fireman of what leadership should look like. You know, I'm not above scrubbing the toilet. You know, I'm not. And the company that I inherited when I got promoted, their officer, uh, he'd just go hang out in, in his office while they clean or while, they, and I'm not, you know, never going to be that way. If my guys are out there washing the rig, I'm going to wash the rig with them. You know, all that computer work and all that crap can wait till later. And there's sometimes you, you get pulled away. You know, right. if you get a call or you're dealing with something, that's understandable, but if my guys are washing the rig, I'm going to wash it with them. If they're mopping floors on Fridays, it's when we do our house day, then I'm going to be running the mop right beside them, you know. And it just goes back. I can't expect or ask someone to do something that I'm not willing or able to do myself. And that's part of leadership, too, is when you're in these drills, be vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like, go first. If you screw up, we're going to learn from it, mm-hmm. you know, be honest. And I've seen officers do that. Like every live fire drill you go to or whatever, they're in the safety role or, you know what I mean? Like you can't, everybody knows everybody. And, uh, I just, I don't understand that. I don't understand it. So 
Okay. Um, when you when when you inherited that that crew that was used to that type of officer, I'm sure that was like a big shock to them. Like, oh crap! Like you see, hey, lieutenants over there up in floors. Like, wow. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. I mean, it, like you know, it's just it's one of those things. I mean, all right, that's great. You got promoted. That's cool. But you know, the ones that and I understand, I hundred percent understand, like evaluations paperwork is my captain will say hey he's got to work on evals and i'm like sucks yeah. for you he's like yeah. i'm gonna be in the office and i'm like yeah man totally get it like you have yeah. responsibilities but, but he's telling you what why he's in there right you know what i mean right yeah. and right. listen my crew's gonna bust my chops if i if i'm not out there with them you know what i mean like we're pretty rough with each other they'll be like oh we got it don't don't know it's already you know they're gonna bust my chops if right even if they know what I'm doing and they know I've been pulled away, they're still going to ride me and I'm okay with that. So, but then you have some that they will, they will see that and, you know, start flexing like, Hey, oh, yeah. you know who you're talking to? And it's like, bro, yeah. ain't that serious. We're just, we're just <laughs> yeah, picking. <it's> <laughs> like, oh man, we, we could be, we could be under a, a roof in 10, 10 minutes from now fighting for our lives. It's not that serious. So. No, absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, my next topic for you is uh, physical fitness. Of course, I know yep. that's big for you because you've already said how you and your crews do do workouts together, gear workouts, whatever the case may be. Um, I think there's no better person on this on in, in the fire service right now that's trying to get that word out. You know, like John John Sparrow is doing oh, yeah. a big Absolutely. thing about it. But at, at what time do you think you have to be blunt to the person? Because I feel like. The way the fire service is now, uh, with sensitivity training, whatever you want to call it, like if HR gets involved, they don't understand the fact that our job is to be physically fit. Like we yeah. cannot be out of shape. Yeah. Yeah. Look, man, I don't care if you're fat. Like my my buddy Billy Green, I used to be a lot heavier than what I am now, but I could still work. You know, he'd call me an iron marshmallow. You know, like I was an in-shape fat guy. I don't care for the fat or as long as you can do the job, you know, and physical fit. Like I put it, I heard, I heard this somewhere and it made a, made a pretty big impact on me just by the nature of our job. When we come in every day, there's dominoes that are stacked up, right? And they're already leaning just by the nature of the job. Cause we know you can be the fittest firefighter. You can be the most aggressive, smart, well-trained firefighter, and stuff still goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Those dominoes are already leaning, and it's our job to keep them from falling. And physical fitness is part of that, from being able to drag a victim out, from being able to climb a ladder and get on the roof and cut a hole for your brothers that are in there taking a beating, from being able to drag your brother out if something happens. And I don't understand why some people – they just won't do it. And I don't, I don't understand that, you know, like the city, like where we work has, man, they have been so good to us. They bought us uh, tons of bumper plates, man. We got pull-up bars. We got ellipticals. We got a salt box. Like there is no reason, absolutely no reason why you shouldn't work out every shift. Right. Yeah. I don't care if you work out on your days off. I would like for you to, but you are here getting paid. And, the citizens are paying you mm -hmm. like you are getting paid and you owe it to them to be able to do the job physically. And I don't understand why people won't. 
And I'm not saying you got to do a, a CrossFit workout. I, right. Just, you can do something, you know, to be more prepared physically for the job. And I don't – it blows my mind that people just don't – they don't do it. They don't do it. So, uh, Where do you see yourself years down the line b- before retirement? Are, are, you, are you seeing yourself still riding a truck or you see yourself – in a in a in a bc role or man i would honestly i would i would like to retire as as a shift commander and going back to that that influence you know if i can get in a car and i can influence an entire shift and then that's and i can i just want to leave the job better than i found it i want to leave my fire department better than i found it so you know i think being a, a shift commander battalion chief um would be a, a good spot to be in because you have that opportunity. It's an opportunity to influence like almost 30 people on our, in our department. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm, I'm probably not politically. I don't know that I would make a good fire chief. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm a little too outspoken, but, <laughs> but yeah, battalion chief would be cool. Okay. You're still there with the guys and, and you can, you can influence those people, hopefully make a positive impact on an entire shift. So, okay. and then you leave that legacy, right? Somebody that comes up behind you continues that. And then you got a shift full of solid firemen. So. All right. All right. Uh, communication amongst the rank and file. Uh, we all know successful departments have communication. That's paramount. I mean, communication is what we're like, I don't want to say it's what we're built on, but you, you, we can't succeed if we don't have communication. Everybody's got to be on the same page, the same game plan. So with, with, with it sounds like Dalton's got that dialed in, you, even though you guys have a new fire chief, but he's a fire chief that came within the department, right? And, and, yeah. and climbed the ranks. Yeah. So h- how important do you think communication is? Oh, it's huge. Um, even on the, like this day-to-day stuff, you know, like if I've got my day planned out, and we're about to we're about to do something, and then all of a sudden, like you get a phone call. This is just you know hypothetical, but and it, you're told to do something. Well, they knew that last shift this was going to come down the pipe. Why don't just call the shift before that? You know what I mean? And it's it's tough, man. I mean, but and even just when you're re- relieving the oncoming shift or they're relieving you, just try to stuff can get lost. But I think. It, Communication is huge because if you can communicate well in the firehouse, then you can communicate well on the fire ground. So, and if you suck at communication in a fire station, well, you're not going to be good at communicating on the fire ground. And any NIOSH report you want to dig into, right? Communications, mm-hmm. lack of communication is one of the contributing factors. So, it's very important, not just on fire ground, but day to day operations too. Um, okay. And then there's no get like, one thought of mine is I'm pretty blunt. And I, I I probably need to keep my mouth shut sometimes, but I'm going to tell you how I feel. There's really, you're not going to wonder how I feel, you know, and I think that's, that's part of communication, right? Like you, can, you hold that stuff in, eventually you're going to start having animosity and stuff like that. So love me or hate me, I'm probably going to, if you ask me my opinion, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, so. I mean, I mean, I mean, in my personal opinion, you don't, you don't want, you don't want a bunch of yes men. 
Like, no. I think in order to be a successful chief, what, whatever position that is, deputy chief, assistant chief, fire chief, if you go to your guys and go, hey, like, I want an honest answer. If they keep feeding you lies, that's just a false sense of security that yeah. you're that you're creating. And if they are willing to tell you the truth, you need to take that. You need to process it, digest it, and hopefully you're humble enough to go, this individual's right. There's a time and a place. You definitely yeah. can't just like curse out your fire chief in front of everybody. But yeah. if he asks you like one-on-one, hey, uh, how do you think I'm doing or what do you think about this? If you truly believe in some way, I think the best way to do it is to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Just be honest with people. And two, you know, like uh, I think a lot of people too, they're worried about Oh, if I say this, I, this may hurt my chances of this. Getting promoted, yes. Like, yes. And I, I made the, you know, my wife said, uh, she made a comment when I was venting about something. She's like, you're never going to get promoted to captain. I'm like, well, you know what? Like, if I don't, that's okay. As long as the men respect me when I leave. You know, like, that's just my mentality. I'm not chasing that next promotion. Uh, Obviously, yeah, it would be great, but I'm not going to compromise who I am and for the sake of getting that promotion. You know, I got a 14-year-old son and 12-year-old son, and I tell them to stand up for what they believe in. And, you know, sometimes doing that may cost you something. So if I'm preaching that to them, then I got to I gotta back it up. So, And I'm not talking about being a jerk and being, like, rebellious and all that stuff, but you got to have hard conversations with people sometimes. Just going back to those guys we had issues with on our, you know, those, those probies we had. Like, you got you to be willing. Have hard conversations with people. So, uh, and I, I don't know. I guess some people may be timid to do that, or they're worried. Like I said, the word that may cost them a promotion in the future. I think, I think that's that. That's the big yeah. thing. That's always yeah. the big thing. If they want to get promoted, they're like, "I'm just going to not say anything." But yeah. you're not. You're not helping anything. Nothing is being uh, changed by that. Yeah, and to you, like. To me, it's about the citizens, my guys, the organization, right? I love my fire department. Uh, and I'm last on that list, you know, and I think that's, that's the way it should be. Uh, the citizens always come first, and then it's my men, and it's my fire department. Because I represent uh, a department that's that's got a good reputation and – the citizens think we're great, so if they think I'm great, then I need to to try my best to be great. You know, and our fire department was established in 1888. That's a pretty long history, so that's that's a pretty big responsibility. And uh, you know, I just think that if if you try to die to yourself and you're selfless, then then all that other stuff will come a little more okay. naturally. All right. So it's definitely safe to say that uh, Robbie Townsend doesn't drink the Kool-Aid. No. No. Unless <laughs> <laughs> it's good Kool-Aid, it makes sense. Then I'll drink it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, my last topic for you is wellness and truly being there for one another. Because, you know, it's easy to say – you. it's easy for you to call me your brother and me vice versa. And, you know, yeah. the term brotherhood gets thrown around. But – as firemen, we whenever one of us is in need, we need to we need to actually be there. You know, it's easy to say, "Hey, man, if you need me, call me." They yeah. call you, you don't answer. 
they call you again, you're looking at your phone, you don't answer it. So how important is that? Because I know that's one of the things Shane is big on is truly being there for one another. Because I remember the thing that stood out to me in Tennessee was he's like, by the time we're done, I want you to be able to know your partner's favorite color and, yeah. and, and, and things of that nature. Yep. It's huge, man. And I, I experienced, yeah, brotherhood gets thrown around. Like he gets on it, thousands of t-shirts out there and all that. Sometimes you got to put your money where your mouth is. And, um, I, I would like to think that the guys at work know if they call me, I'm going to be there for them, you know? Um, and especially if you're an officer, you know, like that's mm -hmm. even more responsibility because at some point they, your organization trusted you to be a leader of men. And part of that is being there for people, you know, uh, whether you're on duty or off duty. And I experienced some stuff with uh, post-traumatic stress and was out of work for a while. And the people that called me came by that, that made a huge impact on me, you know, and uh, my father passed away in 2012 when we left the funeral home. Every intersection from the funeral home to the cemetery had a Dalton Fire Department apparatus blocking it with my, my brother standing out there. You know, that's huge. So it's it's easy to say, yeah, the brotherhood and, and we're willing to die for each other. But sometimes we're not willing to pick up the phone and text them. Hey, brother, right. check it. You know? Right. Right. Uh, that's huge. That's huge. Um, and man, like you, the, I've had several guys come up to me and talk to me about stuff, you know, and I'm humbled by that. And I hope they do that because they know that I'm sincere. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like if I tell you, I love you, I love you. And if I tell you, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to try my best to be there for you. So, um, and it's something as simple, man, if, if God puts somebody on your heart, send them a text, just send them a text. Hey, man, thinking of you. And you never know. That's what I tell my sons, too. Like, if you see someone at school sitting by themselves, you don't have to be their best friend. But just maybe sit down next to them at lunch and say, hey, how's your day going? You never know the impact. Yeah, you, you, that's you're going right. On. You're right. Especially so, with the way schools are going nowadays. Yeah. You never know. So, man, I just – uh and look, man, there's people at my fire department that I don't like. And I'll tell you, I don't like them. But I love them. I love them because God commanded me to love people. But I don't have to like you. But I still be there for them. You know? Right. Because you can't pick and choose. You know, if you're going to preach brotherhood and all that, you can't choose your family, right? So they're in your family. And you need to be there for them, whether you like them or not. So I agree. I mean, I, I, I'm very humble about it. There, there are some people I... I, I do not care for. I mean, I, I hate, I really, I truly hate to say that. And, and a lot of it stems from because it's the abuse of authority that I've seen yeah. or the lack of yeah. compassion for actually caring for the job. Yeah. We're, we're all going to have our differences. I don't yeah. dislike you because you, you, uh, uh, I hate to be political, but like you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. I don't care, but yeah. if you're in this job and you're, and you make it all about yourself that's when I, I, I can't, I can't be around you. Like yeah. it goes I'll, against everything the fire service is built on. Exactly. You know, exactly. we are public servants and you, 
the day that you decided you wanted to be a fireman, and I don't care if it was for the benefits or the pension, I don't care whether you entered it for the wrong reasons or the right reasons. When you raised your right hand and you took an oath, you become last on the list, in my opinion. And, yeah, like you said, it's just for personal gain. And, and yeah, it's hard It's hard to uh, be around people like that. Definitely, so. definitely. Um, and one, one thing before I end, I, I want to, I want, I wanted to say to you is it's easy, uh, for anyone that's thinking about being a company officer, granted, I'm not a company officer, maybe at some point down the line, I don't know. Sure. We'll see what happens. But if you are a company officer, the hardest decisions you make are not going to be on the fire ground. The hardest decisions you're going to have to make are going to be when the people that work for you come up to you and go, I have a problem, whether yeah. it's uh, drugs, marital, kids, that's, and that's where I feel like certain departments let the company officer down because it's easy to go, Hey, you want to get promoted? All right. We want to see how you do your 360, your radio size up, your tactics. Yeah. That's great. But we also need to focus on what happens when that fireman comes up to you goes, Hey, I just let you know, I know I've been kind of at it at Pasco shifts, but my wife left me. Yeah. Like, what do you say okay. to that? Yeah, man, that's tough. There's no training. Uh, yeah, we could do a better job at preparing people for that. But also coming back, like being an officer, you need to know your people too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And can't learn your people sitting behind a computer. You cannot. You can't learn your people if you lock yourself in an office and you stay there 23 hours out of a 24-hour shift. You can't. You have got to earn their trust and you earn their trust by being there with them and you get to know them. And then when your dude comes in and he's like, Oh, this guy that gets the saws out every morning and runs the saws. He hadn't done that in two shifts. Something's up, you know, but if you, if you're nestled up in your air conditioned office, because you, you got rank and you think it's below you to get out there with your men and run saws and all that stuff, you're not going to know your people. That's where you learn your people. You don't learn your guys sitting in a TV room an hour before bedtime, you know? Yeah. And that's why I'm huge on eating together. And like my firefighter, he eats one meal a day. He eats at nine o'clock at night. But when my driver and I are eating dinner, he's in there with us. And when, like, that's just part of it. That's how you get to know your people, you know? Definitely. Definitely. And uh, you got to care, you know? And, uh, and two, if you have a good crew, like I got a great crew. So now they've sent me some people that needed a little work and we've worked on them and they've, and I say, we, I don't think a leader should ever say, I, it's never, unless you're taking blame for something, you know, as a company officer, if my guys are, don't know how to do something, it's on me. You know, I'm not going to be like, well, I've showed him and you no, know, like it stops with you period, you know? When things go wrong, you say we. When things go bad, you say I. Hey, man, that's on me. I think that's lost with some people. People are so quick to throw people under the bus or uh, stab them in the back to try to get promoted. Or you know, I mean, it's fire service. It's yeah. it's the same it's, everywhere. It's everywhere. Yep, just different different name, different patches. That's all it yeah. is. Same circus, different clowns, man. But. But, man, I think, like, what you're doing is great. There's so, you know, Bears of Oath. Um, there's just so many good – there's a lot of good stuff happening out there, and I think the fire service is going to be okay. So, um, 
I made the comment to my guys the other day, you know, about we were talking about some stuff. And I was like, man, here's the thing. We we set the tone in the firehouse, right? We set the standard and we set the tone. So control the controllables. Mm-hmm. That's, what I, that's what I tell myself. That's what I tell my guys. Uh, and work on what you can control. And you got to let everything else go. Because, man, I used to get so torn up about stuff. <laughs> You know, I don't have any control over those people. All, all you can do is control what you can control. And if you get a new guy in your house, whether he's right out of the academy or they've he's coming from another shift, then, you know, set expectations, let them know what those expectations are, and lead by example. Because the fact of the matter is people, well, number one, peer pressure is a pretty big thing, you know. And it takes a pretty big slug to sit in there in the recliner when – three other dudes are out there. Eventually they're going to come out there because they don't want to look bad. That's human nature. And I don't care how I get them in. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. Once I get them in and I can change their mindset, then I got them. Right. So kind of got on the salt box with that. One no, it's good. It's good. I love it. It's love it. I love it, man. Um, uh, I appreciate having you on. Uh, I definitely man, think I appreciate the opportunity. I'm humble. For man, sure. I, I definitely, think you definitely dropped little nuggets, little notes for company officers out there to, to, you know, to maybe think about if they're portraying that type of, you know, this, you know, or displaying that type of activity to their own companies. And maybe, you know, it, it can change it for the good. Even if we affect one person, man, that's, that's one yeah. person that's, that's better off. Yeah. Cause that, that person can have a positive impact on another and another and another. And eventually you've, you've made your little, part of the world better so absolutely well like i said uh rob i i I really appreciate you coming on man thank you sir thank you i enjoyed it sir if any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator goal-oriented hard-working humble passionate and professional regardless of rank career or volunteer Contact me at student of the game fire podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.